Hope deferred makes the heart sick, but when the desire comes, it is a tree of life. Proverbs 13, 12. I never forget the day when I was speaking to my dear friend, Dr. Christine Cumbin, uh, one of the pastors at our church at the time. And uh, I call Pastor Christine the biblical scholar, okay, because she knows every scripture. And I quoted the scripture to her one day and she said, I've never heard that one before. I said, you what? You've never heard that scripture? She said, no, I've never heard that scripture before. And I said, well, here's the truth. The only reason I know it, it's because it was in the first love letter that Chris sent me before we got married. (laughs) So so you can call me cheating, but uh, yes, hope deferred makes the heart sick. But when the desire comes, it is a tree of life. So what is hope and how do we hold on to hope? So that is what I'm going to be talking about in today's episode of Kingdom Switch. So let's get to it. Hello and welcome to another episode of the Kingdom Switch podcast, where we dig deep into Matthew 6.33, seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all of these things will be added to you besides. We're going to unwrap kingdom culture, kingdom benefits, and therefore kingdom lifestyle. I'm your host Trish Jones and just to say it's all good. We hear people use the term hope all the time and it's kind of a throwaway statement and they're not necessarily saying with certainty that they hope that something is going to happen. It's almost like a throwaway statement like I'm keeping my fingers crossed right but that's not Bible hope. That's not what God means when he talks about hope in the Bible. Now, I must admit, I've not gone through the Bible to find out or gone online on google.com to find out how many instances of hope or how many times hope is actually referred to in the Bible. But I know it's mentioned enough times. And when the Bible talks about hope, when scripture talks about hope, it is talking about a certainty that something is going to happen. So you can hang on to that hope, not as a throwaway, oh, I'll close my eyes and maybe when I open my eyes, it's happened, but as a certainty that what you are hoping for is going to happen. Now, the Greek word for hope is elpis, E-L-P-I-S. And what that word hope means in the Greek is the positive, confident, joyful expectation of good in your future. Now, how many of us get up every day and think about the positive, confident, joyful expectation of good in our future? I think right now, if you look at world events, uh, people talking on the news, which I don't listen to personally, but it's all doom and gloom. If it's not war, it's famine, it's economic downturn, it's people losing their jobs, it's the cannot dare I say it anyway, the C word, the cause of the pandemic, you know, all of those things have got people so afraid that people have lost hope in the future. But we are supposed to live as believers with an expectation of good. We are supposed to live with a positive, confident, joyful expectation that good things is in our future. But the question I want to ask you right now is what thoughts are actually dominating your mind? 
Is it everything that's on the media? Are you one of those that you listen to the news and then you go around and you tell everybody what is going on on the news and nobody wants to sit with you basically because you're all doom and gloom or everybody does want to sit with you because that's the crowd that you hang around with and they're waiting to hear how bad things are. You know, sometimes I go on the internet and you might have somebody give a prophetic word and you hear people say, oh, you know, I've been hearing that for a couple of years now. I'll I'll see it when I believe it. Hope doesn't wait for it to happen. Hope believes that it has happened because according to the Bible definition, Elpis, it is the positive, confident, joyful expectation of good in your future. And we have done a podcast on a previous episode where we talked about 1 John 5, 14. And this is the confidence that we have in him, that if we ask anything according to his will, he hear us. And we know that if he hears us, he will grant us the petitions that we have desired of him. That's another, I would say definition, but it's another idea of hope. It's the fact that we have confidence in what we ask for according to the will of God, that he will give it to us. So therefore, I'm not saying that you don't listen to the news. But what I'm saying is that if what they are saying in the news does not align with the word of God, you have to go with the word of God. Some people literally use the news and the media whether it's um, big tech media online or whether it is the news media, legacy media, whatever media it is, some people use that as gospel. And yet the Bible says, don't worry. The Bible says, have hope. The Bible says, have faith. And we listen to the news channels and we literally make that our reality when we are supposed to be making the word of God and the truths of God's word our reality. So if your thoughts are dominated by what is going on in the media, you need to take those negative thoughts and put them to one side and start looking at the Bible and holding on to that Bible hope. Because if you don't have Elpis, Bible hope for your future, you're going to feel depressed and that's going to result in lack of sleep. Your mind is going to be filled with all the negatives that is going on. And you then start having a conversation with yourself that literally does not represent anything in the Bible. You know, the Bible says those things that are good, pure, honest, lovely, think on those things. But we create a narrative in our mind when we're depressed and when we're worried about things. And we create a whole story and imagine a movie that probably will never happen. Now, Romans 15.4 says this. For whatever things were written before were written for our learning, that we through the patience and comfort of the scriptures might have hope. So basically what that scripture is saying is that what is written in the scripture is for our learning. It's basically saying that what I have in the scripture for you, you can literally hang your life on it. You can actually have hope in my living word. You can have hope in Jesus and you can have hope in the written word. And I remember going through a situation, right, um, not too many months ago, where I would keep getting up and there was something that I was particularly concerned about. And I would get up in the middle of the night and um, I'd get up to go to the bathroom, basically. And the first thing I would do was step out of bed and effectively start lamenting as to what was going on. And I'd say, God, you know, you know that this is going on and this hasn't been resolved yet. And, you know, I'm really looking forward to answer to prayer. 
And this was going on for, I don't know how long, how many nights, right? Probably a couple of weeks. And then one night as I got up, I actually went to go to the bathroom and I said, God, you are going to tell me to get into the word, aren't you? I just felt compelled that I need to get into the word. And so I started getting the word, not as much as I ought to. And I'm going to explain that in a minute because it's not that I was neglecting the Bible. But anyway, this carried on that I'd get up in the middle of the night, completely forget about what God had said. And I would start lamenting again. And it was really strange because it seemed to be the same place every single time as I went to hit the bathroom door. That's when I would remember you need to get into the word. And then I realized that what God was saying to me, it wasn't just picking up my Bible and saying, oh, you know, eeny, meeny, miny, mo, you know, which uh, scripture shall I read today? You know, shall I read from Genesis or shall I read from John or, you know, whatever. What God was saying to me was, I want you to meditate on my word. I want you to meditate, right? I want you to get a word and put this word in your heart so that you can keep saying this over and over and over again until you believe what my word says about you. So the best way to do that is to go find a scripture that is relevant to your situation and keep reading that scripture. Even though you think you might know it, you might think, I already know the 23rd Psalm, the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. You know, I've been saying it since I was a child, but we have to remember that the word of God is a living word. And that's why we can have so much hope in it, because it can be relevant for a situation 2000 years ago. And it absolutely can be relevant for a word that we need for today. And so for me, at one point, actually, I had to leave my Bible open. I had to leave my Bible open on my desk because what I found was I was reading the scriptures and I could feel hope building up. But then if I went for a couple of hours where I didn't pick up the word, I would then start worrying again about whatever it was I was worried about. OK, and I realized that I could get into my work, especially when it was tech stuff. I don't know what it was, but when it's tech stuff, it's like I can shut the world off and I really get down to work and then suddenly I feel detached. That's the only way I can describe it. I feel detached from God. I started feeling depressed again. And so literally I would decide that I'm going to take time out. I'm going to just stop for five minutes and pick up my Bible and actually start reading. And then what I started doing was I would say, right, I'm just going to stop and I'm just going to praise. And I have, am I going to say this? Yeah, let me say it. In my Bible, I have gone through the book of Revelation and I have highlighted every scripture from the beginning of Revelation to the end of Revelation where they are praising God, where the angels and the beings are praising God. Right. And uh, so, for example, I have Revelation eleven seventeen here. Let's go from 15, actually. Revelation eleven fifteen, And the seventh angel sounded and there were great voices in heaven saying, the kingdoms of this world are become the kingdoms of our Lord and of his Christ, and he shall reign forever and ever. So everywhere that I saw that the beings in heaven and the angels and the elders were praising God, I have underlined the word saying, and I would get up and I would actually start using those scriptures just to give God thanks. I remember hearing Colin Urquhart preach a message on this once 
that this was pure worship because it has nothing to do with you, nothing to do with you saying, God, I'm so grateful that you've given me, you know, a home or that you've given me a car or that you've given me food to eat or that I have clothes to wear. When you look at those scriptures in Revelation, they are just praise coming from the throne room of God. And I wanted to enter into that praise. And I'm telling you, I have had some of my greatest moments just getting into that secret place of praise and just joining with the angels and with the angelic hosts. I keep saying beings, whatever, right? Joining with the angelic hosts and just praising God in that time of pure worship. And it's for me, it's been amazing because I'm not thinking about me in that time. I'm not thinking of me during that time. I am just basically giving praise to God because of who he is. And then one of the songs that I love to put on, I think her name is Martha Muzzini. Forgive me if I'm pronouncing it incorrectly. Because of who you are, I give you glory. Because of who you are, I give you praise. And I just love praising God because of who he is, not because I'm looking for something. And I'm telling you, when you actually just step aside and stop focusing on you and just praise God for who he is, I am telling you, it it just erodes away worry because you take your focus off you and you put it on God, you put it on Jesus Christ, you allow the Holy Spirit to bless you in that moment. But anyway, I digress. Let us get back to Bible hope. So I'm just telling you that God would speak to me in the middle of the night when I started lamenting and started telling me to get into the word. And when I got into the word, I started building hope. I started feeling hopeful rather than hopeless. And even though we hear a message on a Sunday, right? It's not enough. For me, as I said, I had to leave my Bible open on my desk so that I just keep dipping into it all the time. You know, and as the Bible says, man cannot live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds out of the mouth of God. And so if we're going to have daily bread every day, you know, whatever your staple diet is, if you're in England, you can eat lots of potatoes, right? If you're Jamaican, as my parents are, we eat a lot of rice. And so whatever your staple diet is, you're going to eat it every day. So therefore, I just want to encourage you to get into your Bible every day and preferably more than once a day. Get up with the word, go to bed on the word at least, because the Bible tells us to meditate his word day and night. And certainly when you stay focused on Jesus, your living hope, it literally is going to make your situation look much better different than it's looking now, even when the situation looks dire. When you start looking to Jesus, the author and finisher of your faith, let me tell you that it will change your perspective. And when it changes your perspective, it will change the way that you see things. And therefore, you can hold on to that hope because you can actually see the thing that you've asked for in your mind's eye. I just want to go with you now to 1 Corinthians 13, 13. And I'm reading from the New King James. It says here, now abide faith, hope, love, these three, but the greatest of these is love. Now, isn't it interesting, right, that it says, and now abide faith, hope, love, these three, but the greatest of these is love. And it mentions love last. Now, 
I'm not going to take credit for this. I actually heard Andrew Womack say this. And the minute he started saying it, I knew what he was going to say next. Because he said, if love comes first, then it must be that hope is second to love. And I know that people will say, oh, my gosh, but what about faith? And as I said before, he said it, I was like, yeah, you actually need hope in order to have faith. And you're probably thinking to yourself, well, how does that work? If I'm hoping for something right, I am actually creating a picture in my mind's eye of what that thing is. And when I look at that thing, I can then have faith to believe that what I'm hoping for is going to come to pass. But if I start thinking negatively, right, if I start thinking negative and I start thinking, oh, my gosh, this is going to happen, that's going to happen. And I start creating a picture in my mind of what is going to happen. I'm having faith, right? But it's not biblical faith. It's not faith as in believing God for what God says that he will do for you. It's a negative kind of faith. So in the same way, we can actually build up a picture of what we want and create in our mind's eye, in our heart, as it were, the thing that we do want. And I do remember years ago when I started looking at this and uh, started thinking about imagining those things that I actually wanted. And then you had all of these people start complaining and saying it was new age. And, you know, don't get me started on this. Right. Because I've been to the seminars and I know that these people actually get what they get from the scripture. So hope when people kind of use the throwaway term is hope that is hope that excludes God most of the time when, you know, when people use these throwaway statements, I hope they're not actually hoping in Christ and saying, you know, I believe what the word of God says. And I believe that God wants me to have whatever it is that I'm asking for. And it's on that premise that I am actually hoping. No, they put hope in themselves that they can do this to the exclusion of God. That's not the kind of hope that I'm talking about. That is what the new age people do because they see themselves as their own God, as it were, as they, they understand that there is a higher being and they don't quite know what it is, but they believe that they are absolutely in command of their own destiny. I am not talking about that kind of hope. I am not talking about that kind of imagination. And so we need to ask ourselves in the body of Christ, why is it? that the world is getting better results than we are. And the Bible tells us that the children of the world is wiser than the children of light. It's because they exercise a principle that we refuse to exercise because we think if we just pray and sit down and cross our hands and put our hands together, I should say, that suddenly the thing that we want is just going to fall on our laps. And yet there are principles that we have to abide by. But again, I don't want to digress. And so let me get back to this Bible hope. Right. So according to 1 Corinthians 13, 13, you have to have hope and build up a mental picture in order for you to have faith. And we do that, as I said, all the time when we're thinking of negative things. So just just reverse it. Think about the thing that you actually want. And that will give you more faith to believe that what you are hoping for, you can have. Luke 21, 26 says that men's hearts fail them for fear and the expectation of those things which are coming on the earth for the powers of the heavens will be shaken. Right. So people are 
fearful today because of what is coming on the earth. And it's interesting that most people will live in an expectation of the bad things that is coming, but they cannot see the good thing in what is going on today. And, you know, there are so many people right now, the only thing they're wishing for is Jesus, come quickly, come and take me home. And yet my Bible tells me, occupy until I come. Jesus says, occupy until I come. And some people, they've packed their suitcases and they're doing nothing more than living with an expectation that because things are so bad on the earth right now, that it's got to be the second coming. And don't get me wrong, I am not saying that Jesus isn't coming back soon. I believe that we should live every day as though he were coming back today. But let's face it, they said this during World War One. They said this during World War Two. They said this during other things that have happened. I believe that there have been so many predictions. 2012, and this is not just Notre Dame and all of these people giving predictions. We're talking about prophets, and you can call them false prophets, but you know, they're. Let me not go there, right, with the false prophets, because I don't really think that people understand what a false prophet is. But anyway, let me not go there. But. Good men and women of God have predicted that Jesus is coming back very soon in their lifetime and yet they have died and Jesus has not come back yet. And I'm not saying that we shouldn't live with that expectation that Jesus is going to come back soon, but we have to occupy until he comes. So no matter how bad things get, we still have to look to Jesus, our living hope, and know that whatever happens, whether there is famine, whether there is a downturn in, in the recession, whether there is world war, that we have a living hope and we can actually focus on the living hope that we have in Christ Jesus, that we can literally hold on to hope, hold on to Christ and know that what we have asked for, we will have the answer to it because hopelessness literally will result in you having a defeated mindset and when people lose hope that's what they have hopelessness and some people have gone as far as saying the world doesn't need me anymore the world is going to be a better place without me and they've taken their lives you don't want to get to that place of hopelessness where you feel so defeated that you think that nobody needs you we need you you have a gift you have a gift that I don't have that I could benefit from. And if you think about life in that way, that we share our resources, we share our gifts, we encourage each other, and we, we ourselves inspire somebody else's hope, there is always, always, always a reason to live. Now let's go on to Hebrews 11.1. 1. I know I'm throwing a lot of scripture at you today, and there's a lot more that I could cover, but I know I'm not going to get a chance. But Hebrews 11.1 1 was actually one of my scriptures that I used to read every single day. I had, I think it was written by, I think it was one of the chick books and it had a Bible reading plan in there. And, you know, I hesitated then because I remember being criticized by somebody because I was using this Bible reading plan and basically it would help you to read your Bible in a year. And yet now I see everywhere you go, everybody has a Bible reading plan and I think it's absolutely great for people to use a Bible reading plan and get to know the scriptures and get the scriptures in you. So let me go to Hebrews 1. Sorry, Hebrews 11. Did I say Hebrews 1? Hebrews 11. 
Now, faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. For by it, the elders obtained a good testimony. And then it goes on to list all of the things that uh, people did by faith. But let me go back to verse one. Now, faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. Faith is the substance of things hoped for. Remember, I said earlier from 1 Corinthians 13, 13, that it said faith, hope and charity. The greatest of these is charity. And I said next to it was hope. If you look at this, it stands to reason that if you don't have hope, if you've not built up hope, faith has no substance on which to bring forth the evidence. You need to have hope. You need to have something to believe in. You need to have something to believe in. And if you've got nothing to believe in, then it's going to be very difficult for you to have faith. And I know that we big up faith, as it were, in the church, right? But we very rarely talk about hope. We very rarely talk about how we have to change our mindset by changing the pictures, by changing the words that we speak into something more positive, into what we want, say what we want, see what we want. And then by faith, we can have what we want. But if you look at this scripture in Hebrews 11, 1, you will see that faith is the substance of things hoped for. So, so you, need, you need hope in order to give faith substance, right? You need something to hold on to in order to give faith substance. So if you don't have anything to hope for, faith can't provide substance to it. It's as simple as that. Do I need to say that again? If you don't have anything to hope for, faith can't provide substance to it. So another way of putting it is faith is motivated by hope. And you literally kill faith in your life when you approach it with fear and dread. So this is why we are told so many times in scripture, do not fear, don't worry, because God knows that worry puts a kibosh on your faith, basically right? So hope is positive imagination. So how do you keep hope alive so that you have the faith to bring the manifestation of what you are praying for, hoping for, believing for? How do you keep hope alive? I know we've talked about imagination in one of our previous podcasts, and I will link to it in this podcast. But hope is about positive imagination. It's almost like you've got to create the pictures in your mind, as I've said before. So if I'm repeating myself, don't worry, I don't have amnesia, right? As my old pastor used to say, repetition is the law of lasting impression. So I've alluded to the fact that you have to have these pictures in your mind. Now I am telling you how to keep hold of hope so that you have the faith to bring to fruition those things that you're praying about, right? So if you go back to the beginning of this podcast, I started out with the scripture, hope deferred makes the heart sick, but when the desire comes, it is a tree of life. I bet you most people would be able to remember that scripture based on what I said. I told the story of how my pastor said that she had never heard that scripture before. And I told her, ha, the only reason I know that scripture is because my husband now had put that in the very first love letter that he sent to me. (laughs) Right. So 
I bought you a story and I created a picture around the story as to how I know that scripture so well, despite the fact that my friend, the Bible scholar, had never heard that scripture before. And this is what hope does. Hope creates a positive picture. And again, remember what I said right at the beginning. Elpis, the Greek meaning of the word hope, is the positive, confident, joyful expectation of good in your future. And one more scripture I have for you. I know this is a lot of scriptures today. We're going to go to Romans 8, 24 and 25. Thank God for the Bible app, right? For we were saved in this hope, but hope that is seen is not hope. But why does one still hope for what he sees? But if we see hope for what we do not see, we eagerly wait for it with perseverance. Now, I'm laughing as I'm reading that because I'm thinking people are probably listening to this and saying, what are you talking about? But basically what it is saying is that if you can see this thing physically in front of you, then it is not hope because it's there. It's it's not invisible. But when you can see in your mind's eye, right, you can see a picture of this. You can close your eyes or not close your eyes, however you want to do it. And you can see a picture of that car that you want. You can see a picture of the home that you want to live in. You are then hoping because you have not, you're not in the house. You don't have the house. You're actually visualizing what that house looks like. And I remember, I believe it was Lisa Bevere one day got really upset because her and John had moved into their home and they didn't have any furniture. And she got really upset and she started going around, going around the house and actually seeing furniture in certain places, like she saw the sofa and she saw the fireplace. And another example I give you is an example of my own. A good number of years ago, we basically I'd stripped the wallpaper off the dining room and we didn't have any money. We didn't have any money to actually re-wallpaper the walls. It was terrible. And so for a number of years, there was no wallpaper in the dining room and the idea was that I'd stripped off the wallpaper because I wanted to paint it but when I took the wallpaper off all the paint came off and if you can just imagine the paint coming off and you can see the plaster underneath and so either it was going to be have um, a skim a plaster skim or what I discovered later as my dad showed me many years later that I could have just sanded the edges but anyway that's by the by <laughs> when I came to do our bedroom I did exactly that and it worked perfectly but anyway I didn't know right so for a good number of years we didn't have any wallpaper or anything it was just it was horrible it was just really ugly but it didn't stop us having our family barbecues and whatever but we were having some friends coming to stay and I was like god no I am not having this dining room looking like this so I actually stood in my dining room and I actually started saying that there was wallpaper on the walls and what I wanted it to look like and I had an idea of what I wanted and anyway one day my friend and I went to the shop and uh, I saw the wallpaper that I wanted and it was on offer this wallpaper was cheap it wasn't cheap wallpaper but it was um, remnants I think and they were getting rid of it and it was just the right amount that we needed to decorate the living room and then she saw another a roll of wallpaper that could be used for the feature wall and 
I wasn't 100% set on it. And she was going, no, 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 it looks really nice. And uh, so that's what we have in our dining room today because we bought that wallpaper and my dad can do wallpapering. So my dad did the wallpapering. I can do wallpapering as well, but I hate it. <laughs> I'm being honest with you. But I just started seeing in my mind's eye that this living room was de- dining room. It's a dining room was decorated, that I wasn't going to be living like this any longer. Because you see, sometimes we put up with stuff that we don't need to put up with because we won't change our imagination. We won't change the image in our mind of what we have. We keep looking at negative images. So I would just walk in that dining room all the time and just think, we just don't have the money at the moment to decorate. We just don't have the money to decorate. You know, one week turns into one month and one month turns into one year. And I can't remember how many years it was like that, but it was a good number of years. Until in the end, I just went, no, I'm not going to say this anymore. I have the money in order to decorate this dining room. And I am going to decorate this dining room and decorate the dining room we did. <laughs> so as I said, thank God for my dad who... He's not a decorator, he's a plumber, but he can decorate. And so he did that for us. And so what I had done was I changed the image that was on the inside of me to I don't have money to this room is going to be decorated. I didn't think about where the money was going to come from. It's another story as to where the money came from. That's another testimony that I could give you. right? But but we had the money. All I focused on was the room was going to be decorated. I didn't fuss about where the money was going to come from. And not only did I have the money, we then went to the shop and we were able to buy this wallpaper for dirt cheap. And I was very, very happy. And of course, then I had somebody who was able to put the wallpaper up for me. So we've got to learn to change the image on the inside of us if we want to inspire hope, which is then going to build our faith. So let me just end with this. Pictures are not just for kids. I learned so much, right, of the Bible stories when I was actually reading Elodie bedtime stories as she was growing up because I turn the pages and see the pictures and I would remember certain things. Even now, I could go to certain stories in the Bible and I literally can see those images in the book. My best one was David and Goliath. And uh, let me tell you, I reenacted that whole thing. You know, I would chop off the, <laughs> the giant's head, throw myself on the floor and everything. And I can still see the image of David, the little shepherd boy with his sling and his stones. And I can still see those images even today. And when we hear stories, we tend to be able to connect better with somebody speaking than if they just give us all facts and figures, right? And yet we still believe that pictures are just for children. It's crazy. You know, therapists, when they're dealing with children very often, because they can't get them to speak, they will give them pen and paper and they will actually get them to draw what they are thinking and feeling. And the therapist will draw from those pictures what is going on in the child's life. And I remember one movie I was watching once where they put the paper in front of the child and the child started drawing a picture of mum and dad and him in the middle. But then he got angry and he took a crayon and he scribbled his dad out because, in fact, what had happened was his dad was trying to kill him and himself and, and the little boy got badly burned. 
And so if we look at this, that we can create images of the way we feel, of what we want, of what we don't want. And if we create images of things that we don't want, then we're going to make ourselves depressed. We can express ourselves through pictures by actually drawing them, but we can also express ourselves by what we see in our future. And if we actually keep those images focused on the image of what we want, it will bring us more hope, but it will also bring us a smile to our hearts. Because honestly, do I give you one more story? Do I give you one more story? (laughs) My daughter went to a private school, okay? And because my husband hasn't been well and hasn't actually worked for 16 years now, we actually struggled to keep her at the school. But on one occasion, she actually wasn't in school because we didn't have the money to pay the school fees. But we knew that she should be going back to that school and we'd even been given a prophecy, which I won't go through here and now. But I was really fretting. I was so worried about these school fees because this was week three that Elodie hadn't gone to school. And um, and I was thinking, mm, I don't know what to do. And one day I was led on my bed and I felt compelled to go to the school down the road, which is a smaller school, because the head teacher had said to me, you know, if you are not able to bring her back to school, please try and take her to a school where they have smaller classes because she's not used to being in, you know, these big, massive 30 um, children in a class classroom. So I went to get up to actually go and speak to the headmistress. I thought it's dinner time. This is probably the best time to go down to the school. And I'm telling you, something said, no, you don't go. And I was like, well, God, you know, this is week number three that Elodie hasn't been at school. And with that, I opened my Bible and I opened it up to Hebrews three seventeen and 18. But with whom was he grieved 40 years? Was it not with them that had sinned, whose carcasses fell in the wilderness? And to whom swear he that they should not enter into his rest, but to them that believe not? And for me, I realized that I wasn't entering into God's rest. I was worried. I was trying to strategize how I was going to do this. And then I was ready to take the situation into my own hands and send her to another school. And God said, no, that scripture just literally slapped me in my face. I was like, whoa, you know, God, are you saying that I don't believe you? And it, it, let me just say it was it felt like something was pinning me to the bed, like you're not going to get up and go. You're not going to go to that school. Not today. Not on my watch. And then, of course, when I read that scripture, I was like, whoa. So I believe this was the Thursday, if I'm not wrong. And then. I hadn't even told members of my family that Elodie wasn't going to school. And then on the Saturday, I rang my mum and my sister and I told them. And I remember being sat on the stairs and it was, you know, just like you're about to hear some good news and you're waiting on the edge of your chair to go and tell someone the news. And it was partway through my conversation with my sister. I see ding. And it was one of my clients wanting to speak to me. I spoke to him basically about half an hour later and the deal was done. The money was in the bank by the Monday and Elodie went back to school. Honestly, it was. (laughs) How can I put it? Once I had once I knew that God was saying 
don't go to that school. I knew that therefore he was saying, I've provided you're going to have to be patient. And so patient I was. It was hard because it was hard watching Elodie being at home. She actually didn't mind so much. Um, she missed her friends, obviously. But I thought, what am I doing? You know, this is just no good for her to be at home. But we also knew we knew that this was where she was supposed to be. So anyway, that's just another story of hope that I had that I literally, as I said, I sat on the edge of the the top of the stairs on that Saturday after I had rang my mom and just before I rang my sister. And it just literally felt like something was about to happen and I was ready to sound the alarm to tell everybody it was done. So despite the fact that I'd called my mom not long before, I then called her to say on Monday, Elodie is going to be going back to school. So Keep hope alive, people, by keeping a positive image of what you want in your mind. There's nothing new age about this. The new age people got it from the Bible anyway. And the earth is the Lord's and the fullness thereof. And God has given us all things to enjoy. So enjoy them. Enjoy them in your imagination first in your mind. And then you can literally enjoy them physically in your hand. OK, that's it for today's episode of Kingdom Switch. Susan will be back with me, not the next episode, but the episode after. So we look forward to bringing you another episode of Kingdom Switch. That's it for today. Ciao for now.